right now we're ready to move on to the next vision, vision three, which has the theme of the power of God in creation to manifest his power in and through the creation. Uh, it has seemed right to me that we would recognize at the start here that most of us Americans and most Westerners really don't believe that the power of God is revealed or even can be revealed in the creation because our worldview, our way of looking at things, we just automatically think that the creation is dead. It's just a set of laws. It's a bunch of, uh, of, of matter out there, and it's just going on by itself. Um, we've, we've, we've ended up at this place. It's taken centuries, really, to end up at this place. Um, it started with John Calvin, ironically, who invented a doctrine called cessationism, who, who, who claimed that God stopped doing supernatural things, gifts of the Spirit, after the last apostle died or after the, the, the Bible came into being. And the problem is that the world didn't stop uh, with that, but continued moving along that line. And pretty soon you have deism that's coming along and saying, well, God, yes, God exists, but he just got things going at the beginning, and now he's not anywhere to be seen anywhere in the world. And so he, at the start, he, he created natural law, he created moral law, but now we don't see God anywhere. Um, and then along came the secularizers, who, who basically said God isn't anywhere in any of it and never has been. And so, yes, we have religion, but that's just a psychological need that people have and so on. And so that's where we've ended up. And uh, we've, we've gotten completely away in the Western world from a view that we need to have in order to understand this third vision of the book of Revelation. So we don't have time to rebuild all of that. But we, we must come back to a place where we see that God is able to use his creation as an instrument of judgment and also to use his creation as an instrument of blessing. And he is, his power is in all of creation all of the time. And so let me just recommend some, some resources. If, if you're interested in this, if you, if you feel the need to rebuild this view, uh, in your own life, uh, and, and this isn't for everybody, but it's, it's for some. And I believe that it's important that all of us really understand the power of God revealed in his creation. And so, first of all, um, again, let me recommend the George Otis videos, especially in Transformations, the story of Almalanga, Guatemala, Transformations 2, the story of the Inuits of Nineveh, uh, Nineveh, and um, there's two, two towns there that are very similar in their names. 
Um, and then this one, uh, let the sea resound, the story of Fiji. All of these are showcases of God's ability to transform creation. When people repent, um, it affects the creation. And, and so you see that in these videos. George has gone to great lengths uh, to, to bring those showcases home to us so that we can see what that looks like. Um, and then another book that I want to recommend is by a Catholic writer, Thomas Dubay, The Evidential Power of Beauty. What this does, it goes into the scientific inquiry into the microcosm and the macrocosm, the minute world and the, the great world of the universe and everything in between to show the beauty that scientists are discovering and how the beauty that God has infused into the world appeals to something in their heart and their life and they become believers because they're, they're looking at nature. And what we used to call that was natural theology. It's how God reveals himself through nature, through his creation, because he is the artist and it is the artistry. And so this, this is a great, uh, this is a great book, um, to, to, to show that in all of its, uh, facets. It's a, it's a fascinating book. Then I want to also recommend two books on worldview, um, one by Daniel Juster, The, uh, the Biblical Worldview, and the other one, my own book that I co-authored, Brad, Brad Long and I co-authored, The Collapse of the Brass Heaven, Rebuilding Our Worldview to Embrace the Power of God. It's very important that we understand the power of God is in his world and is expressed in his world everywhere, and to, to have eyes open to be able to see that, hearts open to be able to see that, and live that out every day of our lives. And then the last one, the classic, is William James. William James, uh, in 1900, was invited to go to Edinburgh University and address the philosophers of Europe, really, and the way he he did that was to challenge the secular philosophy that almost all of the philosophers were embracing at the time and, and basically saying, this is not going to lead you where you think it is. This is not going to be the great uh, utopia and the panacea of all human ills. We are not going to discover that we can find peace unless it is with God in the middle of our world. And so that's the classic expression of that. It's still available, um, the Varieties of Religious Experience. That's just the title that I think the publishers gave the book, but it's, um, it's really a series of lectures that he gave over a hundred years ago. And that book is still available in bookstores, is still popular and still read. Uh, so it has lasting value. Okay, now let's get back and move on to the book of Revelation. And we see that God is going to be using his creation in judgment against the world system, a rebellious world system that's been going ever since the fall of man. And uh, 
as we do this, I just want to remind you of a, a kind of a basic theme that we've got through all of these visions, that, that we're saying it's not a, an, a story of the end times that goes from the beginning to the end of the book, but each vision presents a complete picture of one aspect of creation or of the world. And this is the creation itself, the creative order. Um, and so the basic thought here is that as we move from one to seven, seven has a meaning to it. This, the number seven means that which is perfect has come, namely Jesus. Jesus is that which is perfect. He's going to bring a kingdom which is going to move the whole creation into perfection and finally the last enemy to be destroyed will be death. Okay, so Jesus coming is the number seven and that's an event called the day of the Lord in scripture. So all of the Jews understood this and they taught this um, in, the, in the, Jew, the Jewish world of Jesus's day. So when we have the seventh trumpet, that means that's when Jesus comes. That's right there. That's the end of the vision. And Jesus is coming at that point. Then we see another pattern emerging that's going to be sort of consistent here. And that is you take the, the, the space between the number six and the number seven, and that's where we download our promises. And so, uh, each time. We saw that in the last vision. We're going to see it now that between six and seven, which is where we would understand that's going to be the worst of the labor pains, okay? Before he comes, that's going to be the worst time. So that's when we need the promises the most. They don't only appear for that, for that period of time or only for those, but the promises appear to those people, and if it's for them, it's for everybody. That's, that's the, kind of the idea here. And so God is going to give his promises between number six and number seven. And we know that the number seven is the last trumpet and that that is the time of Jesus' uh, return because it says so in um, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two at the last trump, the, the last trumpet, the dead in Christ, shall rise, and we see it actually in this, and uh, we, we will be transformed. In other words, at the last trumpet, that's when it all happens. That's the day of the Lord. That's when all of these things uh, that have been prophesied by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, they culminate at the last trumpet. Okay, so there's not more events that are to come after that. Uh, the, the future chapters of the book of Revelation are about other things, okay? So then it says in chapter 11, verse 6, there will be no more delay. So God sends an angel and specifically says there will be no more delay. Uh, well, if, if you've got 11 more chapters representing more events in the course of time, then that statement doesn't really make any any uh, sense, but it, it does make sense if you understand that the, the vision ends in this very same chapter, chapter 11. And finally, all we have to do is read what it says. And you'll see that um, 
the coming of Christ is what it's talking about. Um, chapter uh, 11, verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. We give thanks to you, say the elders, uh, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets. So you see the picture there at the end of chapter 11 is of Jesus having returned. All right. I think sometimes some people might say when they read this vision, um, well, I want to believe in a God of love. In this picture, God seems to be so mean. Uh, God doing horrible, horrible things to people. And um, uh, so let's just take a look at that for a second. What we must remember is that God is, he's taking a look back and seeing the total picture. He's seeing the way to get from the beginning to the end. None of us have that point of view, but he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So he, he sees how to get to a totally redeemed and blessed creation far better than we do. Now, we have come up with, with many of our own plans. I just look at, for example, uh, the experiment of Russian communism. Russian communism, I recently have been reading this book, Lenin's Tomb, by uh, David Remnick, and it, it traces the history of communism. At the beginning, there was so much um, hope that all the evils of the world were going to disappear, and now at last, uh, here was a, a man, Lenin, who had the courage to believe that we could move out of these uh, uh, horrible sins of the past and create a whole new, wonderful communist society. And then uh, it, it traces on after that to see how, what a, what a deception and delusion that was. Um, all of our attempts, I mean, you can look at all of them, and Napoleon and Hitler and all of these attempts that uh, Jesus was referring to in the, in the conquest of nations, all of them have proven to be cruel, um, hopeless, uh, uh, visions without any fulfillment. And what God is showing us is he has this under his power. He does have this in his control, but his way is the way it's going to get done right. So even though there have to be some rough periods of time here where uh, um, we, we actually do not see us moving easily and gradually into this kind of thing, there there has to be these birth pains. Um, it, it, he knows the way to get to the, where we all want to be in the end. And it's by this Jesus, King of Kings. His way is the only way that's going to work. We might as well just get used to it. But here we have two passages in the Old Testament now that um, John is basing this particular vision on. The first one is in Isaiah 24. So let me just quickly read that. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. 
It will be the same for priest as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. And as you read on from there, you realize it's because we have laid waste the earth. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to, but it's it's a judgment upon us. We're the ones who have messed everything up. And so what God is doing is shaking everything, all of our inadequate efforts and our sin, and he's, he's preparing the way for the new thing that he wants to do. And, and it's very important that we see it in that light. A third of the earth, a third of the sea, third of the rivers, third of the skies, and then these locusts and plagues that uh, defy all imagination. I, I don't really understand what's being given, but I do know that it's based on the other passage in the Old Testament, and that is Exodus chapter 7 through 12, the story of uh, the the judgment of God upon the Egyptians and his bringing his people out, and then the Passover, the plagues, and that whole story. All of this is based on the Old Testament. And and so whatever form that takes, the, the judgments are not really on the people of God. They're on everybody who is not the people of God. And that's where I agree with Dan Juster that the that the key to the book of Revelation is really Passover. It's this, the whole sense that God is going to give judgment on some and release from judgment to others. And that is actually what we see then. As we look between the number six and the number seven judgment, number seven, by the way, is the actual return of Jesus Christ coming to bring judgment. And let, let me just, just quickly read that for a moment, in, just in case you don't get that. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Um, I've often wondered why it is that so often in, in the scriptures, the, the return of Jesus Christ is, is portrayed as something that everybody's going to mourn. Um, but here's what it says. Um, Let's see, if any man builds on the foundation of Christ using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, meaning the day of the Lord, that's the day of Jesus coming back, the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. So the picture we have here is when Jesus comes back, uh, all who have not embraced the kingdom of God will find total loss. Um, and you know, it's, it isn't a pretty picture. But then there will be others who have embraced the kingdom of God and the gospel of the kingdom is they're, they're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And their experience of the return of, of God will be different from the other ones. 
But the purpose of Jesus coming back is to burn a great deal up. I mean, that is the end time uh, woe. That's the third woe um, that, that this vision talks about. Um, but then in the midst of this, between the sixth and the seventh, there is uh, there are two promises, really. Two promises in addition to the ones we've seen so far. And the first of those promises, the two witnesses. I believe the idea of two witnesses is, again, based on the book of Exodus. If you look at uh, the Exodus, it's, it's really led by two men walking together, Moses and Aaron, and they both carried the staff of authority, which transferred would be the iron scepter of authority. We'll deal with that in our teaching on prayer. Uh, but then uh, these two witnesses are, are going to be, um, they're going to become a whole people, a whole people at, at the end of the age. Just like it's not just one people group in Egypt in one place, it's, it's all of the nations. And so now God is raising up the two witnesses and has been doing this for the last 2,000 years, you see. It's the Jewish and the Gentile ecclesia. And they, at the end, will be coming together, united by the blood of Christ. That unity will draw forth the power of God, and there's going to be an end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit, such as is described in Joel chapter 2. And so all of this is happening at the end of the age, right when it's most needed, when the when the darkness is greatest, the light also will be the greatest. The church will be walking in the greatest power. And, and then we see what happens. That for a very brief moment, for a very brief moment, uh, the enemy will be given power over the church. And there will be those whose bodies lie in a public square with the enemy gloating over uh, his triumph over the church. Uh, thick persecution and martyrdom. And that is going to be the very thing that draws the indignation of heaven. And Jesus comes back with all of his holy ones. And then we see two things happening. The, the dead in Christ rise. I mean, right as these people are looking on, here they are. They rise with resurrected bodies right before their eyes. And then they rise up into the air. And that's the rapture of the church. And so they meet the Lord in the air. And then I hate to even think what's going to be next, because that's what the, the, the sixth vision is going to be about, the total destruction of the world's system. Uh, the, the, the sixth vision deals totally with that. And so we'll save that. And John does too. John saves that for a later vision and does not actually picture that. But then the other promise is there will be no more delay. This goes back to the teaching of Jesus who says that for the sake of the elect, that time will be shortened. I don't know exactly what that means. Some people think it means seven years down to three and a half. I personally think it's, it's hard to, to say. Um, I believe it's like here are these bodies and suddenly they're being raised and nobody Nobody expects this. It's going to be a total shock and a surprise. And the, the, uh, not only the resurrection of those who are in Christ, 
but the uh, rapture of all those who are in Christ to go and meet the Lord in the air as he's coming down. Wow, what an exciting time. And um, so we're, we're excited about the promises. So let, let me just review the four promises so far, not counting the 11 that we saw in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But we have, first of all, protection from the wrath of God. All right, protection from the wrath of God. Secondly, a place of special glory in heaven. Those who have suffered for Christ have a special place in heaven. Then a third, the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is going to be like nothing we've ever seen through the last 2,000 years. And then finally, the tribulation cut short for the sake of the elect. Those are all pretty good promises, I would say. And uh, there's more to come.